Now, I don't know how many of you need this. You might be a non-Bahasa-speaking individual living in Indonesia, or maybe simply someone living outside Indonesia who has somehow been exposed to some headlines mentioning about a murder case involving two police officers now largely known as the Sambo case. Well, yes, it is a murder case. Yes, it happened in Indonesia. Yes, it most likely it's most likely the biggest criminal case the nation has ever paid attention to. And yes, after six months of legal proceedings, the verdict will be read this week. And here's a wrap on what you need to know about the murder case that involves Ferdi Sambo. You're listening to Jakarta, D.C. Long story short, a young officer was murdered, a young police officer, shot at least five times, including a blow to the head and several blows to the chest. The victim's name is Nofriansha Yoshua Hutabarat, or to make it easier, we'll call him in short, Yoshua. The crime scene was his boss's house, well, one of his houses, since later on we found out that his boss owns a few houses. Now, present inside the house during the murder were five other people. His boss, Ferdi Sambo, his boss's wife, Putri Chandrawati, his colleague, Ricky Rizal, his newly assigned colleague, Richard Eliezer, and another man, a civilian who assists with house chores for Sambo's home, named Kuat Maruf. Now, I'll list that out once again. First, there's Sambo, a police general, boss to them all. Second, There's Putri, Sambo's wife. Third, there's Riki, an officer who assists Sambo and his wife, mostly as a chauffeur. Then fourth, there's Kuat, not an officer, helps with house chores but has been working for Sambo since 2008. And fifth, the newest recruit in the Sambo household, Richard Eliezer, a.k.a. Ichat, a.k.a. Baradae. He is a mobile brigade officer just newly serving Sambo less than a year before the incident. Now, those are the five people present in the house during the incident. There were a few other people outside outside the house, but basically they did not see what happened inside when the shots were fired. So I'll skip their details to avoid further confusion with the names. Now that we've mentioned those who lived to tell their tale, let's talk about the one person who did not get to tell his side of the story, the victim, Yosua. Yosua was a promising young officer. He was born November 1994. He came from a humble farm family in Jambi. That's a province in the southern part of the island of Sumatra. Now, as mentioned, his father was a farmer and his mother was an elementary school teacher. So when Yosua joined the force, it was a very positive step to better to better the family's social economic situation. Not to mention Yosua's brother also managed to pass the test to become a police officer. Now being from Sumatra myself, I can imagine the pride within the family having two kids in a well-respected uniform. Now obviously I wasn't there, but I can easily be sure it was one of the happiest and proudest days of their lives. 
Now, as soon as Joshua joined, his first assignment was in Papua, not the safest place to be a police officer in Indonesia. But he did his job well for three years. Then he got reassigned, reassigned to his birthplace in Jambi for the next three years before finally landing a new assignment. His assignment was to assist the police's internal affairs chief, Inspector General Ferdi Sambo. His duty was probably nothing like what he went through in Papua. His job was mostly bodyguarding Sambo and his family, driving them around, and simply assisting Sambo and his family in their daily activities. He even helped Sambo's wife, Putri Chandrawati, with some Bayangkari paperwork. Now, Bayangkari is the police officer's wife's organization where Putri sat as head treasurer, national treasurer. So that's what he did on a daily basis. You, you might be thinking by now, now how did any of that get him killed? Well, there's a very long line of people waiting to have that answered, but I'll tell you what theories have arised uh, along the way. We'll get there later on. So now you know the victim a little better. Let's go back to the shooting incident that took place in Sambo's house in Durantiga. So note, this is the crime scene in Durantiga, and it happened on the 8th of July, 2022. Here's the first scenario, and keep in mind, this is the earliest scenario delivered to the public just three days after the incident. I'm saying just three days because now we're far away from that, but three days is actually long enough for the police to finally tell the public what happened. I mean, it took them three days. That's a bit too long. Now, again, keep in mind, the whole scenario was delivered by the police as described by Sambo. Remember, Sambo is still a police officer at this time, and the police believe him. Now, this was delivered, described by Sambo and the four other people present at the murder. Scenario one, it's not a murder. So just as the incident hit the news, it was labeled as a shootout. An officer got into a heated argument with another officer at their boss's house, which led to one of the officers finally opening fire, leading to the other officer returning the fire, resulting in the death of the first officer who started the whole shootout. Now, we later learned that the dead officer's name is Joshua, and the officer that shot him was Richard Eliezer, his own colleague. This story was backed by evidence on the scene, multiple gunshots from different firearms, multiple bullet wounds on the dead officer, and numerous bullet holes on the opposite wall of the dead officer. Now, these simple facts already raise some questions. First, why did they shoot at each other? Their colleagues, their friends, their even roommates at some occasions. They have never been known to fight with each other. Besides, Joshua was more senior than Richard, more experienced. And Joshua shot first, didn't he? How did he miss so many times in such a small room, letting Richard plant five bullets in him? Odd, troubling, and immediately ignited some conspiracy theories among people who caught wind of the incident. Until Richard, the man that pulled the trigger, came out with a new fact that the whole shootout scenario was a lie. Now that's when shit 
hit the fan. Once Richard admitted that all their confessions about the whole thing being a shootout was a big fat lie, it made all the standalone facts start to align as a valid story. No wonder Joshua missed. He never even fired at all. No wonder there were so many bullets in him because there was a second shooter. No wonder the whole incident took place in his boss's house because a man who wanted Joshua dead was none other than the big man himself, Ferdi Sambo. Sambo was in big trouble. And when I say big, I mean unprecedented, gigantic trouble. Okay, you might feel like I'm exaggerating. Obviously, more serious crimes have been conducted in Indonesia, right? Yes, you're right. But here's the deal. Ferdi Sambo is one of the most powerful person in the nation's police force. He's the chief inspector. He's polices, well, sorry, he polices the police. Now, some even argue his power is only second to the national police chief himself. I mean, here's a man who even the police fear of now being accused as the mastermind behind a murder. Yes, a murder, not something that accidentally happened in the heat of the moment, but a kill that was planned and executed thoroughly. Now, what made things worse? Evidence started to arise that Sambo, right after the shooting, did everything he could to cover his track and get his hands on any evidence that could implicate him and his accomplices in a murder. Now, he pulled some strings, called in favors, and gave orders to some police officers, telling them to get rid or even destroy CCTV evidence, resulting in a new case an obstruction of justice case that resulted in a massive interrogations of hundreds of police officers suspected to lend Sambo a hand in doing so, in trying to get rid of evidence. Now, a number of these officers lost their position and got mutated, and six of them are now also in trial for evidence tampering and unprofessional conduct. That's how powerful Sambo was. He was well-connected, he was influential, he was feared, and he was not short of people who owed him a favor. Now that's when we arrive to the second scenario, a crime of passion. Now Richard, now recognized by court as a justice collaborator, gave it all up. He spilled the whole truth and it was convincing. Richard admitted he was asked by Sambo to shoot Joshua and that's exactly what Sambo told him to do just before Richard pulled the trigger. Sambo yelled, Woi, kau tembak, kau tembak, cepat woi, kau tembak. Which is bahasa for, shoot him, quick, shoot him, shoot him. And that's exactly what Richard did. Out of fear of this general sitting 18 ranks above him. The reason? A crime of passion. Just a few moments before the killing, Sambo and everyone else were in Sambo's other house in Saguling. Now, Saguling is not far from the crime scene in Durantiga. Just really not far, just a few minutes away. They just, they've just they just arrived from Maglang, central Java, where Sambo's child attended school. Now, Sambo was at the third floor of his house, conveniently equipped with an elevator, this house, 
ensemble called for Ricky Rizal, who, in case you've forgotten, was person number three in our previous list of people at the crime scene. Now, according to Ricky, Sambo told him that Yosua did something very bad to Sambo's wife, Putri, while they were in Maglang. Sambo returned to Jakarta, taking the first flight on the 7th of July. That's a day earlier before everyone else. Now, Sambo asked Ricky if he knew what happened between his wife and Yosua in Magelang on the 7th, the day he returned to Jakarta. Ricky replied that he didn't know anything. Sambo then told Ricky that Yosua has sexually harassed his wife. Uh, forgive my son's voice there. Sambo said that Yosua has sexually sexually harassed his wife and that he plans to confront Yosua. Now, Sambo then asked Ricky if Ricky is willing to shoot Yosua in case Yosua retaliates in the confrontation. Ricky declined, saying that he does not have the mental capacity to do it. Rejected, Sambo then asked Ricky to call upon his other aide, Richard Eliezer. Now, Ricky went straight down to summon Richard, who was told the same story and given the same order Ricky has previously declined. The order to shoot Yosua when needed. According to Richard, Sambo even gave him extra bullets, a claim Sambo has strongly denied throughout the court session. At this point, It is as if the whole reason behind the murder was obvious. An angry husband taking revenge on a man who has hurt his wife. Now, is that what really happened? All right, let's stop here for a moment. I just want to drop a disclaimer that you probably shouldn't get all your facts from this podcast since there's a ton of other detailed information I have to leave out due to the limitations of being simply a podcast. Now, each of the five suspects have their own versions of what went on in Maglang up to the crime scene in Durantiga. Some corroborate with the next suspect story and some don't. But all suspects say they're telling the truth to their their best knowledge and so do their lawyers. So I can't really cover everyone's story here. That's why I'll just present the main story in line with what the prosecutors believe to be true as written in their prosecution. So this podcast is intended to give you a broad understanding uh, of what this case is about. But again, it's limited to what I have gathered so far as I followed the case while during my morning news broadcast. Now, if you'd like to get more details about each suspect's claim, you'll just have to do the research yourself. Now, I do promise to be as objective as possible and try to compare dissenting claims where I can to give you a better understanding. Carrying on, one dissenting claim between the state prosecutors and Sambo is Sambo's claim that his wife, Putri Chandrawati, was sexually harassed by Yosua. Now, just to be clear, as the court gets deeper into the case, Sambo used a different term to describe the sexual harassment. Now, he claims that his wife was raped. Now, the problem with that, before the whole murder case ever even reached court, the police already ran an investigation on the alleged rape case based on Sambo's report. 
only to later on drop the case due to lack of evidence. Although claiming to put serious attention to health and hygiene being a dentist herself, Putri never had herself checked by a physician after she claimed she was harassed, let alone raped. There were no immediate physical signs of the harassment other than a psychological examination and a few of her aides claiming they found her laying weak on the floor the night she claimed to be harassed. But other than that, there were no medical records taken um, to corroborate with the claim. Now, in their prosecution, the state prosecutor stated that they believe what happened on the evening of July the 7th was not rape. The prosecutors state that they believe something did happen. They say what happened was an affair between the suspect, Putri Chandrawati, and the murder victim, Yosua Utabaran. Now, this is a claim that didn't settle well on Sambo's side nor on the victim's side. Yosua's family lawyer said it's a ridiculous claim based only on assumption. There is no evidence Putri and Yosua had any special relationship, let alone a romantic one. Meanwhile, Sambo's lawyer said the prosecutors were hallucinating. Those are the words that they used. And they were still adamant with their belief that a rape did happen based on their client's testimony. The prosecutors believe Kuatmaruf caught Putri and Yosua in the act, whatever the act that is, and that forced Putri to admit the relationship to Ferdi Sambo, her husband, which now places Sambo as the angry and disappointed husband looking for someone to blame, someone besides his own wife. Now, you might be wondering, there are five suspects here, right? And by now, you should have an idea on where Sambo, Putri, and Richard sits in this case. But what about the other two, Ricky and Kuat? What role did they play in the murder that implicated them? Now, with these updates, let me just go down that list again. Sambo is now believed to be the mastermind of the whole murder. He is believed to be motivated by anger after learning about the affair his wife is having with one of his aides, Yosua. Now, unable to accept the fact, Sambo plans to get rid of Yosua for good. Putri, claiming to be a sexual harassment victim of Yosua, is believed to have agreed to play along with Sambo's plan to get rid of Yosua simply out of guilt. Her presence in the crime scene is said to be a part of the plan to bring Yosua to Durantiga to be executed. Now, Sambo's side says it all happened in the heat of the moment. So nothing was planned. It just happened. Sambo was angry. Um, Putri Chandrawati was depressed. And it just happened. It was not a plan. Now, Riki Rizal coming, uh, sorry, not Ricky Rizal yet. Let's talk about Richard Eliezer. Richard Eliezer, the youngest of them all, is an easy pawn for Sambo to become the executor of his plans. Now, why didn't Sambo do it himself, especially if it was, you know, in the heat of the moment? Sambo claims he never intended Yosua to die, but Eliezer just opened fire, and he claims that it'll be easier for him to protect everyone if he's not implicated in the whole incident and that he could ensure a light sentence for everyone there. 
as long as everyone corroborates with his story. Now, just to note, Sambo did try to give money to Richard Eliezer after the sh- uh, after the incident. Uh, he tried to give Richard Eliezer one billion rupiah. That would be around seven uh, seventy thousand U.S. dollars. And he tried to give Kuat Maruf and Ricky Rizal each around 35, 30 to $35,000 US dollars, which amounts to 500 million rupiah. But they all say they did not accept the money. So that's what happened. And uh, this was a fact opened in court. So there was an effort to give them money which Sambo says is just a normal thing it's just his way to say thank you to Richard Eliezer uh, Kuat Maruf and Ricky Rizal for going through with that and for defending his honor uh, after his wife had to go through um, an unpleasant harassment but of course the court might see this as a bribe or probably a fee for finishing the assignment now that's where Sambo Putri and Richard sits now Ricky Rizal if you remember didn't Ricky decline to shoot Yosua now why is he still a suspect just for context both Ricky and Kuat are Sambo's aides in Magelang they are not assigned in Jakarta. So for Ricky and Kuat to simply be in Jakarta for no reason already raised questions. Even you know the 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 uh, the judges also asked about that. Why were they in Jakarta? Both Sambo nor Putri say that they have ever ordered Ricky and Kuat to come along to Jakarta that day. And they say that you no know, they they too, you know, uh, Kuat and Ricky, they know the standard procedure. They don't need to be ordered to come to Jakarta. They just know what to do based on the standard operational procedures. Meanwhile, Ricky and Kuat say they were just following orders. Whatever the true reason was, the state prosecutors feel it was strange enough for Ricky and Kuat to tag along to Jakarta, let alone conveniently be at every key moment leading up to the murder scene it all happened all so naturally so i think that's enough for now just enough to give you a gist on what this case is about now as i said there's so much more to the case than what you've heard here not to mention an unlimited amount of theories of what really motivated Sambo to order the kill now some believe it's a love triangle between Sambo Putri and Yosua some say it has something to do with Sambo's underground ties to a gambling empire Uh, gambling is illegal throughout Indonesia by the way and some say Yosua had to be rid of because he knew too much about Sambo's illegal activities and was showing signs that he was going to spill everything he knew. Now, all these theories have even less evidence to back them up. But one thing's for sure. There's more to Sambo and there's more to this whole case than meets the eye. And we might end up never getting to know everything about it. 
Another thing that we know for sure about this legal case is that without Richard Eliezer, the justice collaborator, deciding to go clean about it all, we would be stuck with the shootout story Sambo planted at the very beginning. Yosua would still have lost his life, but not as a murder victim, but he will be seen as a rapist and the first one to open fire. Meanwhile, Sambo will not have any blood on his hands, and the whole murder was not planned, but just some hot-headed aide losing his temper in order to defend the honor of his boss and his beloved wife. Now, Sambo is now charged with life in prison for murder. Richard is charged 12 years in prison, despite being the justice collaborator in this case. Putri, Riki, and Kuat are charged the lightest with eight years in prison for collaborating with Sambo. Now, if you're a bit puzzled as to why the justice collaborator in this case is charged heavier than three other people who are believed to know about the murder plan but didn't try to stop it, you'd be joining hundreds of academics who have written a formal letter, an amicus curiae, or a friend of the court letter, giving their opinion that the court should consider a lighter sentence for Richard as he is the key to opening the whole case, avoiding it to become a dark number in Indonesia's legal history. And that punishing the justice collaborator with a harsh sentence would do more harm to the whole law enforcement effort as it would deter other justice collaborators out there to come to service in any other case. Their sentence is due to be read out on the 13th, 14th, and 15th of February 2023. You might have already known their sentence by the time you hear this, but if you haven't, feel free to Google it or check out my next episode. Hopefully, I'll be making another episode after we hear their sentences. Now tell me what you think about this case or if there's something you'd like to ask, reach out to me through my social media account. I might be able to answer it or maybe that would be a, a good question for me to ask uh, to the people I'll be interviewing throughout my show. Now reach me through social media at Timarbun, that's at T-I-M-M-A-R-B-U-N, that's Tango India Mama Mama Alpha Romeo Bravo Uniform November. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, don't reach me through Facebook, I never open it. So that's a little about the Sambo case, which has been getting so much attention in Indonesia. thought you non-Bahasa speakers would like to know about it, that's a little about it. Reach me through social media if you want to know more, I'll try to provide that for you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next time. Uh, do check out Jakarta DC with me here, Timothy Marbun, next time. See you guys. Bye.